0: to football. We have a lot to cover. The NFL trade deadline that wasn't. We have some college football news. How does it all affect the NFL draft? Because it is that time of year. We're going to preview and pick this weekend's games. We're going to get you ready for tailgate tour, which is a week away we just got home and we leave in a week we are going to because it's halloween while we're recording give you our top five hauntings and some draft on draft questions but before we get into it guys a question for you that i purposefully left out of the rundown Mel connor welcome to the show i should just one time just see how long i just go go on and on. i thought
1: that's what you've been doing
0: (laughs) how long can i
1: go Um, two years running now right
0: here's the question of the day what is your favorite halloween candy
1: uh I'm gonna go with the Reese's pumpkins or whatever's traditional. Any, the anything p- from yeah, them. The eggs, the, the eggs. turkeys, yeah, just whatever about anything they have. from them is number one. I feel
2: like that should be consensus, although I, not, I know uh it isn't. But what Matt, what's
1: yours? Hashtag Reese's That's right, this Senior is a boy. promo.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I like Reese's a lot, actually. I, I really do. Um and I feel like they're somehow better when they're in a different shape they than are. the circle. I don't get I don't. It quite understand it but like they're just better that way so more peanut butter yeah it's just they're so good I I think that is mine and I'm not just you know catering to our friends at Reese's and and Jim Nagy I like a good Snickers but here's the thing about a Snickers if you get one and this might not happen on the coast but in the Midwest you sometimes get stale candy bars if you've ever bitten into a stale Snickers it's disgusting so I have a trick Mello you've seen me do this I push on them And if it's soft, you can you can buy it. If it's not, if you can't like make an indention with your finger on the candy bar, don't buy
1: it. Uh, This is news to me. I never. I I, I do this. Okay, at the corner. Oh, beef jerky. I like this from Matt. Thank
2: you. Yeah, at the corner store, I always like whenever I buy something like that, I always thumb it every time. I do too. Because I've gotten burned. It used to happen a lot more when I lived up in Albany because that's a lot like just shadier of a place where i lived and you would get stale and expired shit all the time so exactly. it's like a, it's a habit that i think i'll die with that listen- every time have to thumb it
1: our listeners learn something new i feel like every episode it's just life hack after life hack <laughs> right. how to buy candy bars slash beef jerky you, you really, to really
0: have to be careful because it will it's it'll a big get, one it'll get hard and no one wants that no one wants that. Okay, let's get into uh, <laughs> Shellgate Tour. One week away, we will be on the quad at Alabama for the Alabama LSU game. I'm ordering koozies as we're doing the podcast. We're gonna have koozie stickers. Mello and I are bringing cornhole. We have food getting catered. We have beer that we're bringing. We're gonna have non-alcoholic drinks. I hope uh, I should probably order some. Maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> while <laughs> supplies I, last. I think so. you are gonna have two waters. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I'm very excited about it. Hopefully, you guys will come out. It's free. You don't have to have a ticket to the game. You don't have to have a ticket to the tailgate. Just come out. And I, tw- I tweeted this, and I don't think we've ever done this before, but this is like open to the away team as well.
1: Yeah, I think we usually, we cater to the home team. Um, I, I don't know what kind of shirt I'm going to wear yet. I don't know if I'm LSU or Alabama for this one. This is a this is a good one. It's going to be the game of the year. You're a little sick, aren't you? I am a little bit sick. Can Play you, R- R- you
2: got to get right. This is going to be a wicked tailgate. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now.
1: Hey, yeah. if I can go through TCU like I did last year, <laughs> I, I, nothing can stop me at this point. I mean, I was almost dead for that tailgate. Frank the Tank yeah, over I, there.
2: Yeah, I thought, I thought that was the end for you, Melo. I can't wait for this tailgate because I think the response we've had already, people are excited. We do want to remind the Tiger fans that you are welcome. I know we always support the home team by what we're wearing and and sometimes how we act, not all the time. But we have a good time with everyone. Even when we went to Baton Rouge last year, we had plenty of Georgia fans at the tailgate. Yeah,
0: and and that, I know a lot of people. I know we've done it. Like we go into a city and like, where do we tailgate? Just come tailgate with us. We're gonna be very welcoming. We're gonna make no. We're not gonna allow like Alabama fans to talk. An aggressive amount of shit. So if you want like a very friendly, fan-friendly tailgate, come hang out with us. We're, we're going to have, again, stickers, koozies, food, and beer to give away. All right, let's get into the actual show because this is uh, Buckle Up. It's going to be a bit of a long show tonight, and I know you guys are okay with that. We did not get a chance to talk about the trade deadline because Connor and I were in London. Um, and, and again, thank you to everyone over there for hosting us and making it a great week. So let's start here. Really, the only big trade that actually happened was the Giants and Jets which is the first time I think ever that these two teams have traded Leonard That's Williams right. doesn't even have to move he just needs to change where he ubers to practice every day he goes from the Jets to the Giants he's a pending free agent and the terms of this deal guys, Make it to where if the Giants don't keep him, then they have to pay less. The, the trade is a 2020 third-rounder and a 2021 conditional pick. It's a fourth-rounder if the Giants are able to re-sign Leonard Williams before free agency. It's a fifth-rounder if they don't. The Jets are going to pay $4 million of Leonard Williams' remaining salary. Uh, it's not a bet like on paper, right? It's like, okay, the Jets get something for a player they're going to lose uh, anyway, and you're getting a pick earlier than you would, uh, or sooner, I should say, than if it would be a compensatory pick because that would be the 2021 draft. So you're basically selling a guy to get a return faster. For the Giants, I don't completely understand Leonard Williams for them because they just drafted Dexter Lawrence and they have Dalvin Tomlinson. But Dave Gettleman is a fat kid in a candy store when it comes to defensive tackles. And they're not paying a lot for a guy who was the number 6 pick in the draft.
1: Yeah, I just don't understand it because the Dexter Lawrence thing. I know they thought he was going to be more of a pass rusher. Surprise. He's not. Uh, So then you bring in Leonard Williams, who I I don't think he's a pass rusher either. Uh, But you are very D-tackle rich right now, I guess. They just still have to find a way to get an edge rusher in there, which was a need of theirs last year. But good for the Jets. You go out and you get some picks for a guy that you weren't going to keep around anyway.
2: Yeah, and it sounded like there weren't a lot of teams interested anyway. That's what's fascinating about this. So I think they actually come out – in a decent spot where, if you're the Giants making the deal, the Giants are not making the playoffs this year, so they should be re-signing a young player that they acquired in Leonard Williams. Where you're expecting that to be a fourth-round pick in 2021. But you look at, more importantly here, guys, the third-round pick in 2020. That should be a top-ten pick of that round, and that's the most important thing here. The Jets obviously would have preferred a late second-round pick if they could have got it from a contender. There weren't any offers on the table like that. Those offers went away. They could have had that in the offseason, and they passed on it. They waited too long. But at the end of the day, you get a pick. That's a good return. On the Giants side, I'm kind of with you here, as Matt and both, both of you guys alluded to this. They're a little crowded on the defensive line. Now, you didn't pay a lot to get a good player in Leonard Williams. He has not been a great pass rusher for the Jets. I know people will throw the stats that he's double-teamed, that he gets hurries but not sacks. At the end of the day, the impact wasn't there. Maybe that changes when he puts on blue. But right now, it is interesting for the Giants because I actually think they have some talent up front. They've allocated some assets up front in this particular spot. But Dave Gettleman, if you play in the front seven, He'll just keep on spending to load up that area.
0: Yeah, it is. It's surprising uh, just from that perspective, because they this is a team that does have needs, uh, but this is is not what I would have called was a need. So when, when we heard like, oh, the Giants might be active, I really thought, okay, well, we might see a linebacker, uh, we might see a corner, but to get a defensive lineman, and again, uh, we've talked about this with Laramie Tunsil, we talked about it with Jadeveon Clowney, the, Leonard Williams has the most leverage, almost, of any player in the NFL right now because he, can, he and his agent can oh, walk yeah. in there and say, uh, you traded a third and a fourth round pick f- to keep me. You're going to pay whatever I want, basically. so And I have heard that Leonard Williams wants to stay. In the New York area, so this is a good spot for him. I do want to turn this around, though, because I I know you mentioned Connor. I think it's fair to say right now Leonard Williams was a disappointment as a draft pick. And I've had some Jets fans and even just NFL fans say, why should we be applauding the Jets for getting a third and a fourth for a guy who was the number 6 pick in the draft? And really, like on its head, yeah, that's not great. You really would like to get a lot more for a player who you drafted that early and that you would expect to be now a building block of that team. Um, but it didn't work out. I I don't know if it's fair to say he was... I don't want to say he was overrated necessarily, but... Drafted too early. And I think this is why we can say, okay, why did the Jets fail? With all these early picks. Year after year we were saying, Oh my God, I can't believe this guy fell to the Jets. Leonard Williams is my number two overall player in 2015. He was supposed to be the safest player in that draft. He was exactly supposed to be. Um and that was not, in hindsight, a very good draft class. We can't say that at all. But like this is why the Jets are still bad. Is because you miss on guys like that, and then, perfect segue, you finally get a good player and you piss him off. Jamal Adams, whatever you want to say, whether you want to say they were shopping him or they were talking, answering the phone on him, and, and I know some people are really like arguing semantics on this. I wish Jamal had said, I don't appreciate that you're taking calls on me because the Patriots don't take calls on Tom Brady, spoiler alert, they did once. And, like, the Rams don't take calls on Aaron Donald. If he had said it like that. They also did when he was holding out. Right. So I, if Jamal had said, hey, if I'm, I'm supposed to be the face of this franchise, if a team calls on me, you hang the phone up. If he had been upset about that, I get it. There is a difference between a team shopping you and a team answering the phone when someone calls about you. If it got to the point of, Real negotiation. Again, I think he has a, a right to be upset given the fact that they told him you're the face of this team. And everyone knows I'm very pro Jamal Adams. He's one of my favorite players in the league. He's one of my favorite people in the league. I will say this. The value of a strong safety is not what the Jets are asking for in return for him. A first and two twos was the rumor. N- no strong safety in the NFL is worth that
1: anymore. None. There, there are not many safeties in regardless of strong or free, that are worth that right now. I mean, we're not looking at Earl Thomas in his prime. I think that Jamal Adams is limited on what he can do. He's not a big coverage guy. So if you can get a one and two twos back for him, hell yeah, you answer the call. I mean, as Joe Douglas, you answer the call for anybody. If somebody says, what's uh, the market like for Sam Darnold? You answer the call. You are in a rebuild. You are not finding success this year. So And he's not on the level of, Brady, obviously, or or Aaron Donald. So yeah, you're going to answer the call for that. So I'm going to I'm going to go against uh, Adams here. I, I do think that that is a situation where it's a business, and I know that the front office talked to him and said they weren't going to move him. But you have to listen for calls on everybody.
2: I love Jamal Adams. Absolutely love Jamal Adams. He's wrong for taking this personally. That's what it comes down to. He is taking this personally. If you hear how Le'Veon Bell spoke. Yes, it'll be yesterday when you're listening to this. Le'Veon said, you listen, Joe Douglas spoke to me after. Everything's good. He, he takes calls. That's part of his job. Jamal Adams said he wasn't ready to talk to Joe Douglas. You can't take this personally. The Jets have won 10 football games since they drafted Jamal Adams. Oh. That's not Jamal Adams' fault. But guess what? The Jets can win three or four games without Jamal Adams because they don't have an offensive line. They don't have a cornerback. They don't have a pass rush. We're not even sure if they have a quarterback yet, although I do believe in him when they actually get pieces around him. When you're the GM of the team, what if someone calls you and said, you know what, we'll offer two ones for Jamal Adams. You have to listen. That's your job. You're in the first year of a six-year deal on an awful team. It's very frustrating because Jamal Adams came here and said, I want to be the savior. I want to turn things around. I believe him, and I think his heart's in the right place. But when you take everything so personally, it doesn't feel like you're in it for the team all the time. That's the problem here. Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson, the way they spoke, I'm sure they're just as upset as him, their name being every trade rumor possible. But they didn't come out and make it personal. They didn't tweet about the GM. Exactly.
1: It's it's not a good look.
0: Baker for storming off from press conferences. you got to say, hey, Jamal, this is not the most professional way to handle this. And And now he's on the injury report with a foot injury. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, man. This is going to Jalen Ramsey. That's my prediction. This is going to be a Jalen Ramsey deal. But he, number one, he doesn't play corner, and he's just as talented as
2: a player. But he has two years left on his deal, counting the fifth-year option. The leverage is not here. Do I think they'll move on? They probably will. I think this bridge is completely burned. But I just can't sit here. I could kill the Jets for a lot of things. Adam hire was horrible. He's a bad coach. There's a lot of, the Jets have messed up so many things, I can't sit here and kill a GM in year 1 of his 6-year deal for
1: answering the phone. Uh, uh, I can't I do agree. it. Yeah. And I think you're right too, Connor. You touched on it. You can't take it to social media. Like you got to keep that stuff in-house. Uh, if we are going to kill Baker for the way that he acts and and says things in the media, I think we have to do the same thing with Jamal Adams. You want to be upset? That's fine. Just keep it in house. You don't need to be tweeting about it all the time.
0: Yeah, and I don't. We don't have time to talk about this a whole lot because we don't know all the details. But we were going to talk about this, so I am going to bring it up. I, I just I glanced at my phone because it wouldn't stop lighting up. Trent Williams announced that he had cancer, and it was found six years ago. But team doctor said it was minor. But he said he nearly lost his life. So we were going to talk about Trent Williams, who ended his holdout. With the Redskins, and then said he failed the physical because the helmet didn't fit right, which I've never heard of that before, ever. But now he's saying that they found a growth six years ago, and Team Doctor said it was minor. Uh, So maybe this is where some of the, hey, I hate you guys actually comes from, is that they told him it was minor, and it wasn't.
1: How do you have a minor growth? That's
0: like being a little (laughs) pregnant.
1: Like, (laughs) no, that's horrible. Yeah, and obviously this news is kind of breaking it's happening as, as we recording. record, so we don't have a whole lot of information on that. But a lot of people coming out not loving the medical staff of their team this year.
2: Yeah, that's something the Jets did mess up. To be clear, was the Kolache Assembly thing. Uh, this is this that really sucks for Trent. How fumbled that entire thing was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we have to assume he will never play another down for them. Yeah, right.
0: Just, absolutely. No, I would assume not. There's no way. Could you imagine if your doctor was like, eh, "It's fine, like that can't. It's just a little cancer. You'll be all right." And then you're like,
1: uh, "Oh my no, god, like, <laughs> like you're you're still good for Sunday. You'll be all right, right?" Yeah, oh, that's crazy. That's a weird situation to be in for for him. It, it absolutely is. It.
0: Without a doubt. Okay, let's move on here uh, because I, I'm a little shell shocked by. It. Well, if anything changes while we're recording, we'll address it. But uh, another trade that did happen: Akeem Talib was traded to the Miami Dolphins in basically a salary cap dump for the for the Los Angeles. My goodness, Rams. This allows them to have operating cap space to try to lock Jalen Ramsey up long term. Akeem Talib has some familiarity with with Brian Flores from their time in New England. Uh, sounds like he's cool with this, but again, another player who's on IR. So it's not like he's going to go suit up for the Dolphins right away.
1: Yeah, and I think this is just another salary dump. They were able to get something. Uh, it sucks for to leave that he has to go to Miami. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to do that. Not this year. Maybe next year. Not this year.
2: Well, it's pretty great that he's on IR and they're letting him train in LA. Like he didn't even right. have to go to Miami. They're like, you could just stay there and do your thing. We got the draft pick we <laughs> yeah, wanted. We to take on is. the salary cap hit. I'm always a big fan of this strategy. I think it shows that Chris Greer knows what he's doing. Uh, when you when you're willing when you have the salary cap and you're willing to take on a player's contract to get more draft capital, Smart. you should always do that. And on the Rams side, it, it had to be done. It really did. They need a lot of money to keep Jalen Ramsey, and you know they're going to after the amount of draft assets they gave up to get him. Right,
0: and not just Jalen. They actually have some key free agents this year. Uh, The linebacker, Corey Littleton, is a free agent. They really like him. Dante Fowler is a free agent. Michael Brockers is a free agent. So there's a lot of names for the Rams that they're going to have to figure out. Andrew Whitworth is, but I I know there's some belief that he's just going to retire when this is all said and done. It's getting up there. And and We should have mentioned, Akeem Tlaib's a free agent, Um, so the fact that he was traded to Miami, I don't know. will ever see him play for the Dolphins maybe he will uh, but he is a free agent this year so that's something to uh to keep an eye on as well okay last bit of NFL news guys and this one surprised me because of the timing and I know Andy Dalton's like a stand-up dude and he would never get upset and say anything about this like really say anything about it but the Reds excuse me the Bengals benched him this week and right at the trade deadline By doing that, you're not allowing Andy Dalton or his representatives to go feel for a trade, which is what would normally happen if you're an established starting quarterback team says, hey, we're going to see what we got in fourth rounder Ryan Finley. We're going to bench you for the rest of the year. His agent would say, okay, will you at least let us go to market and try to find a trade? That's what normally happens. The Bengals are like, "Now we don't trade players. We're just going to sit your ass on the bench and you're going to watch this fourth rounder play while we continue to suck. Number one. I hate how the Bengals run this organization. Like, why hold on to assets that you're just gonna leave? Like, you're gonna lose, and you're gonna get nothing in return but a comp pick. But they're so afraid of getting fleeced in a trade that they won't they won't let anybody leave. And I also think they're just cheap. And it's like, no, we've paid you, we're gonna keep you.
1: Yeah, I. I think they also want him around to try to help out with the rookie quarterback, but I don't know if you're no going to do, do that now that he's pissed off. <laughs> like, I think that's the ideal situation is it, you get a guy like Eli Manning who maybe will sit there and, and help out the young rookie quarterback. I don't know if we're going to see that anymore from Andy Dalton. Uh, now that he is voiced that he wants to move on, um, I don't, I don't hold him at fault as much for this because he is a veteran and he has been uh, doing it well in the league for a while. It it does suck, but I I understand it from the Bengals point of view.
2: Well, and here's the problem as well. He's under contract for next year, so they have to cut him. So for the whole compensatory pick, the Bengals fumbled this. Let's be real. They could have got something back for him. He could have played somewhere this year. He would have been happy to play. I want to make something clear as well. Andy Dalton, was not the worst quarterback in football no, this year. hardly. He should be upset, and he's a guy that never gets upset over anything, and he came out and said, I'm not happy about it. I don't blame him at all. I, I think it's – there's a lot of teams right now that are messing up simple things in the NFL, and whoever's making those decisions is not qualified for the job they're in. The Redskins right now, Bruce Allen, could not have handled this Trent Williams situation any worse. The Bengals with Andy Dalton. The Jets with Kaleche Osemele. There are so many problems with simple things that they aren't getting right. And I don't understand how this continues to happen. I mean, this guy could be a Chicago Bear
0: right now. I was going to say... Like, there are teams that he would be, he's an improvement over Mitchell Trubisky right fucking now. He's an improvement over whatever they're doing in Miami right now. He's an improvement over Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill right now. This is not a bad, he's not a bad quarterback. He's not a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, you tell me Pittsburgh wouldn't rather, and they can't afford him, but I'm just saying, he's better than Mason Rudolph. For right now, for right now, I don't know. I mean, I know that's your guy, and he might, you know, he might be something eventually. But the Denver Broncos sign Andy Dalton. This is easy money. Like he's he's solid at least. Flacco's solid. Flacco's going to be out for a while. That broken neck. When Frankenstein breaks his neck. Like, that's not a good day for Joe Flacco. I mean, there are so many teams where Andy Dalton would be a better quarterback option. So I hate to see this happen to him. Like you said, Connor, he is under contract for next year. So it'd be interesting to see if they trade him or if they cut him. They are not a team that normally cuts players because, again, this is the most cheaply run franchise in football. I remember hearing a story about um, there was a I'm not going to say the player's name because I don't want to out any sources. There's a really good player on the West Coast a couple years ago. A great player. Everyone had been through to scout the guy. And I reached out to the school and was like, hey, just doing some leg work for an article. Everyone has been out there, right? And he's like, 31 teams have come to visit. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, God. <laughs> who the fuck wouldn't come watch him play? He's like, Bengals. They won't. They don't do it. They wouldn't fly to the West Coast to watch a guy who eventually was a top 10 draft pick at a position of need. They just won't do it. This is the cheapest franchise In the history of sports,
1: (laughs) probably. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, what can you say? No shortage of dollars here in the NFL. It's it's a very profitable organization. (laughs) And we take the tailgate tour to the West Coast. We took it overseas.
0: (laughs) We we went to London. I flew, and I had a bed. I had a room. You could fly eight scouts for the price of that ticket. Come on. Yeah, it's just it's just sad. But I will say this. Uh, people ask us, like, oh, what are the Bengals going to do? Because right now they would have the number one pick. If Ryan Finley plays well enough, then they draft Chase Young. If he doesn't, they take Tua or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. It's that simple. Like, this is a an eight-week audition for the draft. And if Ryan Finley shows a spark, well, then you feel like you have something to build on out of a fourth-rounder. And you take Chase Young, who's the best defensive prospect I think most of us have ever seen. But tying it back to the draft... If you're the Bengals, this you this is actually smart, and I, I don't I think they should have traded Andy Dalton or let him at least look for a trade. But this does allow you to see what you have in Ryan Finley, who n- none of us liked at all. But they, <laughs> they drafted him at a point where you do need to see what's out there.
1: I think I liked him better than you guys did, uh, but still, uh, I don't think that this eight week audition is going to result in them not taking a quarterback. Not with Tua sitting there or. Or your guy Joe Burrow? I think at the end of the day they'll take a quarterback with a top two mm-hmm. pick.
2: I, I do, but hey, Ryan Finley, make the most of this chance. I mean, prove us wrong. Prove us. I, I didn't ever see starting quality traits in Ryan Finley. Uh, I saw a below-average yep. arm. I yep. think he's accurate at times. I mean, you watch Calvin Harmon, and he's constantly coming back for the ball. He had to slow up all the time. I saw so Mike Glennon
1: when I watched Ryan Finley. Right? You I, saw I, who? I think Mike a Glennon, career backup yeah. kind of guy, but. I guess he'll get his chance to prove that he can be a career backup guy. Behind the maybe the worst offensive line of
0: football, which is saying a lot. There's some bad ones this year. All right, let's transition to the college side. Uh, I know this first segment's running long, and, and we appreciate you guys uh, right. having, having fun with us today. Uh Our guy, uh, Joe Bocci, right before the show today, gets suspended for taking a PED. This is surprising to me. It's a two-time team captain, but the Big Ten comes in and says, hey, you failed a PED. We have to sit you down. I know Michigan State has said they're going to appeal this, but this is a big, Big blow to a team that has not been as good as we thought they were going to be this year, even though I don't think we expected them to be great. They have struggled. Uh, Joe Bocci and Kenny Willekes have been the bright spots for a team that uh, they're 2-3 and in conference. I did not see that one coming, I'll tell you that.
1: And I think this is a guy who we've seen his draft stock going to rise, and maybe now we know why, but he has been playing a lot better this year. Uh, This is really going to hurt him in the draft because he was playing well. And now a lot of people will point the finger out, this is why he's playing better. And it might not have had anything to do with that. But it sucks because, he, I mean, I could see him going undrafted now just because he was already a fringe, like maybe three, four, fourth-round guy. Now he's probably not going to get that chance.
2: Yeah, it's a big blow. I mean, it's a really big blow, especially if he can't participate in the NFL Combine. I think with Bocce, you watch the film and you love the instincts. You love his nose for the ball. I mean, we've been talking about him as a big riser, and he found himself from day three to day two this year. As Melo just said, when this happens, you probably fall back to day three. You could even potentially fall out of undrafted if teams have a serious concern about it. So, for a player I know I really liked, it's mm-hmm. it's disappointing, and I hope um, you know I hope it's not anything extremely serious. I don't really know how to say that. Maybe the drug test is wrong, or you never really know what happens with
1: these. But or accidentally at the end of the day, taking something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that too. It could have been like it could be a lot of things. That's the problem with PEDs. There's a big gap, and it's not the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire era where guys are just shooting up straight steroids to get that strong. It could be anything else, but uh, it's going to be something we have our eyes on.
0: Yeah, it it is huge. All right, the big one, guys, right here. The NCAA, in a shocking announcement, comes out and says they're going to allow players to profit off their likeness and name by 2021 at the latest. Now, I will say, I don't want to be a thief of joy, but I have heard that this is not as good of a deal as it sounds like this is the NCAA. So they're going to put out a statement that makes them look good, but like the fine details might not be as great as they seem. However, this is good news because we are pro player. We are pro players being able to make money off their likeness and marketing to some, we've actually been saying this as long as there was a stick to football. This was my solution to pay for play and best news of all EA Sports has already said they will be interested in returning NCAA Football the video game as soon as the, the legal stuff gets figured out here. So, give me Chase Young
1: on that cover. I need this game back. It would be and hopefully they just go ahead and uh, create a department bring those guys back and start developing this game again. I would I've heard, uh,
0: you know, I'm I'm in Madden. I don't know if you guys know that. But oh, I are have, you? I have heard. I remember a couple years ago they did the the superstar thing and the guy played at Texas in the mode and they were like the groundwork's there. Like it would be so easy for them to make this game.
1: I mean, honestly, I I hope they don't change a whole lot about it. I I don't like Madden. Uh, I like NCAA easy football in the way that the, hand that beats us. the <laughs> gameplay in Madden. I, obviously, I like I like drafting players and building teams, but I I'm not a fan of the gameplay there. So I hope that they keep it very similar to what it was already. But I would love to have recruiting back and you know, creating teams creating playbooks the transfer portal there's just so much that I've been missing out on on the last five years
2: yeah this is exciting I mean NCAA has come out and said we will pay for this they've Mm -hmm. said it over the years like this is not an us issue of not wanting to make the game this is obviously a legality thing they're willing to find the right number to pay for the rights to make this game so it is exciting that realistically, guys, I think NCAA football is going to be back. And to touch on this, I don't know if I've said this on the show. Yeah, Matt, I did know you were in Madden. Whenever I play franchise mode, you always shit on my team, like on the ticker <laughs> thing. It's like Matt Miller tweets, and it's like, this
1: team sucks. And I'm I like, actually got
0: your gamer code, and I sent it to EA, and I was like, everything he does make my
1: guy shit on it. Like just It's trash so good. It, it's, it's probably so the good reason why so I don't even play Madden anymore. It's just like, yeah, fuck don't. this uh, guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, like, you gotta you got deal with me?
0: in person and on the game. All right, let's take a break. We come back. Blonde review time, and we're going to break down the top five college football games of the weekend. It is time to pick some games, and I know we're mixing things up, but Mellow, Please do the honors. My undefeated San Francisco 49ers in a blind review. Remember, we record this Thursday afternoon. Comes our Friday morning, so we missed the game. But Niners undefeated. Cardinals uh, not undefeated. What are they, 3-4-1
1: and one right now? But showing some sparks offensively. What did you see Thursday night? I saw the 49ers stay undefeated as we all predicted. I know we've been waiting for this game all year long. The 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. This defensive line is just too much. Kyler Murray running for his life. All night long, nine sacks for the 49ers with two of them coming from Bosa. This guy is making a strong push for the rookie of the year. I love the way they're playing. I'm sorry 49ers fans. I was wrong about my prediction at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, the, the Niners do it again and not just Nick Bosa who I think is the de- not just defensive rookie of the year. I think he should be rookie of the year. Might be defensive player of the year the way he's getting after it right now. The man is unstoppable. With Kyler Murray again, like this offensive line is just absolutely awful. We've seen it week in and week out no matter how elusive he is. The Niners. With Eric Armstead, who's had a great year so far with DeForce Buckner. You got two guys who are six seven in the middle of the defensive line. Kyler Murray's 5'7". He can't see over that line. We saw it last night, struggling to find the middle of the field again. You hate to see it because Kyler has been explosive this year, but he'd been sacked 11 times coming into this game. The Niners turn it on another week, like you said, Mello. Defense wins this one big.
2: I like Cliff Kingsbury, but he got taken to school by Kyle Shanahan, who might be, I think is right now, the best coach in the NFC. And you want to talk about aging like wine. Richard Sherman with his fourth interception on the season after not having any last year. This 49ers defense. Defense is hungry they are fun to watch and i'm with you matt
0: nick bosa right now is your defensive player of the year Woo, baby i love it i love it all right let's get into the college picks guys number eight georgia minus six and a half at number six florida over under 64 and a half i cannot believe that we live in a world where florida's ranked higher than georgia but congratulations i was wrong about them and they are the problem with i have with this game is two things when I think about it, I think of that dumbass country band, Florida Georgia Line, which I absolutely hate. I just I, I hate. I hate that band so much. Not great. The second second thing is that they don't let them call this the world's largest outdoor cocktail party anymore, which is just horse shit. But I'm taking Georgia. I think the dogs roll in this one. They get a little bit back on track. The run game, I think it's good enough. Florida's best pass rushers have been banged up a little bit. I, I don't expect a ton from Jake Fromm, but I, I think DeAndre Swift is good enough to get the Bulldogs a win.
1: Yeah, and the Bulldogs are the favorite in this one. And anytime time I take the underdog, Matt, which is what I'm doing right here, is the super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on because I don't have the nuts or the money to bet my own money on. So I'm going with Florida. I love Kyle Trask. I love this defense. If they can get after Jake Fromm a little bit, create some pressure, he's going to turn the ball over like he did at South Carolina. DeAndre Swift is going to be running all over the field here, but I like the Gators in this one. I think that defense is too much. I think Kyle Trask might actually be a pretty damn good quarterback, too. I'm going with Florida in this one.
2: This could be one of the best games of the year, and I'm still going to roll with the favorite in the Bulldogs. I think Florida, they'll be ready to roll. I agree with you, Mello, that Trask is fun to watch. They obviously have a lot of good players on that defensive line. I just think DeAndre Swift is the difference maker in this game. If he could hit a home run at some point of the game, which I believe he will, I think it'll be the difference. I don't really love that line for Georgia. I think that's too big. I think that's pretty juicy that Florida covers that, but I think Georgia wins the game.
0: The 64 and a half was surprising to me. I think I would take yeah, the finger. Yeah, it shouldn't one. be that high yeah. scoring of a game, but we've been wrong before. Yeah, a couple times. We we're wrong about this team in the opener at least I was and this guy was. Miami. they stink. Who, oh, they're bad. <laughs> they play at Florida State. Ten years ago, you would have canceled everything you were doing in the world to watch this game. But now it's like, oh, those two teams played. So Miami at Florida State. Florida State's the favorite by three at the home field advantage. Over-unders 48 and a half, which tells you just how shitty these offenses are. No offense, guys. I hope you get. I want these teams to be good. Like, football is better when Florida State and Miami are good. Like These teams have so much swag, and I think Florida State's going to be hiring a new head coach. I know they say, like, if Willie Taggart get hit by a bus, like we're not going to go after Urban Meyer. Maybe you should. Might go after <laughs> somebody else, <laughs> yeah, <though. laughs> Maybe you should. So what's P.J. Fleck doing? Does he want to come down south? I am going to take Florida State in this one, though. I, I just think it comes down to talent when you have teams like this. And I, I like Manny Diaz, and I hope that he gets Miami turned around. Miami is so flat right now. And it's just really offensively. And I know they have some dudes that are young that we really like their potential, especially DJ Dallas at running back and and, uh, the the tight end, um, whose name just completely escaped me, Brevin Jordan. But I think Florida State is just the more experienced team right now, and I feel like they have more playmakers.
1: Yeah, I do, too, and I think it's going to come down to a, a battle in the trenches. I mean, that offensive line of Miami has looked terrible. They got destroyed by Florida, and I don't think it's gotten much better. I think Cam Akers is going to have a good game. Yes. I think he's the difference maker here. He's really he's coming good on. this year. I think he had four touchdowns last week. I don't he think did. Miami could do anything uh, to stop him. And I like their linebackers. They're just, they haven't been difference-makers either, so I'm going to go with Florida State in this one as well.
2: Yeah, Cam Akers, 300 rushing yards in his last two games combined and a couple catches to mix it in. They have him running a, you know direct snap a little more. They're just getting him involved, and for as talented as a player he is, that's really good to see. It's been a nice bounce-back year for Cam, who's easily going to probably go over the 1,000-yard mark this season. He might do it this weekend. I like Florida State.
0: Yeah. And Marvin Wilson, Cam Akers, two prospects I really like from Florida State. I want to mention that. All right, number seven, Oregon, a uh, big win over Washington last week. They're the favorite, only by four and a half at USC, the over under sixty two and a half. It is a big one. I want to take USC so badly in this one, but Mello and I are tied on the year, and I can't afford to lose scared any money. <laughs> wow. Scared money, so, Matt. I'm taking Oregon. Ah, fuck it. I'm taking USC. <laughs> there we go. There we all go. Right, so everybody so. don't make money. <laughs> I really do. I think USC, Michael Pittman Jr. is going to have a massive game. I know that Mello loves this Oregon left tackle. I, I got great. a chance to watch him on my flight home yesterday. He is going to be a top five pick when it's all said yeah, and done. he's only a sophomore. Only a sophomore. He is amazing. He's the best left tackle in college football right now, but. Left tackles don't win football games in college. I think Michael Pittman Jr. has the day of his life. Okay, second biggest day of his life because the Utah game. No one's ever topping that for him. But I'll take USC. I'll be that guy.
1: And I'm going to go Oregon uh, for one of the reasons you just said, that offensive line. I think that they're finally getting the running game going in Oregon. They did it last week, and I like what they're doing. Uh, I think defensively, they're probably going to allow some points. I'm going to take the over. At 62.5, I think we're going to see a lot of points here. But I'm taking Oregon. I I don't think that that USC defense can do anything to stop them. Uh, Justin Herbert probably has a big game, uh, and I I really think that this Oregon rushing attack is going to be the difference maker.
2: Herbert's going to have the pass protection he needs in this one. That offensive line across every spot is very talented. USC is one of the more Jekyll and Hyde teams in the country Mm -hmm. this year. I can't figure them out at all, but I know what Oregon is, and Oregon will win this football game.
0: All right. Well, he's confident. He's very confident. All right. Another one in the Pac-12. Number nine, Utah. Favored by three. Favored by three over Washington. (laughs) Over-unders at 48 on this one. My God. Now, this is a sneaky game because I think Jacob Eason could go off. We know that Washington has some dudes in the secondary. If I'm Utah, I hand the ball to Zach Miles 33 times in this game and say, run the football, young man. Don't put this game in the hands of the quarterback. Let the Utah defensive line, which is exceptional, get after Jacob Eason and control the clock. Run the ball. I think if Utah does that, they can win this game.
1: Yeah, I I'm do. picking Utah. I think this is going to be a very good game, even though uh – Washington has dropped some games. They're not ranked in the top 25. I think they're going to play with Utah. I think it's going to be close. But I actually think that Huntley, the quarterback at Utah, has been playing very well. I think he's going to be the difference maker here. I do want to see what Trey Adams can do against Bradley and I. That's going to be a very good matchup uh, to watch if you're looking for a good scouting matchup here. So Utah, I'm going to take them. I'll take the points as well. I think that defense or that secondary is just too much.
2: In this game, I think Washington knows that Utah has to run the ball. And I also think Washington has the corners that can survive in man coverage, whether it's press or whether on an island, whatever they ask them to do against these Utah receivers. That's why I like Washington with the upset here. This would be my upset of the week right here. I really, really think Washington can win this game. Jacob Eason, yeah, this is a big test, but we've seen this Utah defense beat before by that USC team we were just talking about. I do probably think it'll be a low-scoring game, but this these teams have great defenses. Specifically, they have a lot of NFL talent in the secondary, and that'll be the difference in this one. I like the upset for the Huskies.
0: Ooh, there we go. We're all disagreeing this week. I like it. It's better that way. Not on this one, though. Number 15, SMU. How about Shane Buschel? Oh, my God, He yep. looks amazing at quarterback. Did Texas keep their own guy? No, they, they didn't keep
1: their own guy. He looks thicker, though. He, he's got another year to play at SMU too because he took a red shirt last yeah. year he's so tiny. we'll get to see I mean, him he's short again. though he's like 6'2 205 well, that's
0: tall now. Now I forget we're yeah. in this age of tiny quarterbacks number 15 SMU at number 24 Memphis college game day will be at this one because they don't want to go to Minnesota even though they're undefeated up there as well Memphis is the favorite though by six the over-under is a whopping 72, and I'm rolling with the Mustangs. This team hasn't been this good since they were paying Craig James. They've got it figured out. Shane Bichelle is the best player that no one's talking about in college football right now. Not, I don't think he's a draft prospect necessarily, but what he's done so far just coming to SMU, it's not all him. I mean, this team's been very, very well coached. They, they have talent around him, but the moving Bashel into this roster has completely changed everything for them. So big credit to him. And like you said, Mello, we can see him back next year as well.
1: Yeah, and I do think we will. I, I like SMU in this game. I like Xavier Jones, the running back. I think he's kind of been underrated. 14 rushing touchdowns this year. And I know a lot of people probably not going to tune into this game because it's the American Conference. They should. It's SMU against Memphis. There are some really good players in this game, and I do think uh, that it has warranted a college game day visit. Kenneth Gainwell is another running back, just a freshman at Memphis. They're churning out. Just running back after running back in that program. This is going to be a good game. I'm taking SMU and my boy Shane Bouchelle.
2: I'm going with the upset as well. All three of us picking the upset here in there SMU. This would actually be a bigger upset than the Washington one I just picked. I'm surprised. Maybe it's because it's at Memphis, and I know Memphis is seven and one. SMU hasn't lost the game, thanks to future number one overall XFL pick, Shane Bouchelle. I'm really excited <laughs> to watch this one, and I do think the Mustangs win.
0: All right, it is top five time, and this is going to be a good win. It is our top five. Hauntings. No, we're not talking about my (laughs) ex-wives or child support or any of those things. We're keeping it sports-related for the most part, I believe. And, Melo, you actually came up with all this, so I'm going to let you take it away.
1: I figured we would do a player that haunts us, just a scary player. We already kind of teased it on Instagram yesterday. A draft take that keeps haunting us, a game, and then two random ones. I'll start it off here. One of the scariest players in the nation for me right now is CD Lamb. Because any this dude has the ball in the open field, he's probably going to score. It's not even that, yes, he can. It's that he's probably going to. Uh, I've watched five Texas defenders try to tackle this dude. I'm going to hate scouting him because I think I'm going to have to go back and watch this tape even more. CeeDee Lamb is going to haunt me. He's one of my least favorite slash favorite Oklahoma players. Because as soon as he's gone from there, I'm going to love this kid.
2: Uh, I have a really interesting one because he's not playing anymore. But the player that's haunting me is Peyton Manning because he called Christopher Johnson and said, you should hire Adam Gase. And Christopher Johnson's (laughs) eyes lit up and he listened. And because of that, the Jets are awful. So Peyton Manning, uh, even after you leave the Colts and stop beating the Jets, you still haunt them in different ways.
0: Yeah, and I really thought Mello was going to go here, so I'm I'm going to change mine because I had I had Mark Ingram in there because he had he and Trent Richardson absolutely killed Texas in the 2010 BCS Championship game. Those Alabama running backs uh, were everywhere that day. We could not stop them. Marcel Darius would be another answer, but there's one player who actually has fucked me twice, which is <laughs> Whoa, really hard to... Okay. I mean, he's... The Breaking two, news here right? on Stick to Football. The two <laughs> worst moments of my life as a sports fan were caused by one person. One time against my team, one time for my team. That's Michael true. Crabtree making the most ridiculous college catch I've ever seen when he played for Texas Tech to beat our Texas Longhorns. And then... In the Super Bowl, John Harbaugh calls three fucking straight vert routes to Michael Crabtree's weak ass, who drops the ball in the end zone. And the Niners lose the Super Bowl after one of the best comebacks until the twenty eight three game. So, Michael Crabtree, when I die young, it will be his fault.
1: <laughs> All right, like, I, I, I like hate
0: it. Michael Crabtree, <laughs> but I like we should have him on the podcast. We yeah. should, and I would just say hey, do you hate me? Didn't he wear number five at Texas Tech as well? Speaking of.
1: (laughs) Yeah, speaking of Texas Tech, draft takes that we missed on. Matt, you're so famous for yours, but I think I've had the worst one ever. Oh, you have, yeah. I thought Pat Mahomes was going to be very, very bad. Uh, We talked about it last week. I had him as like QB4. Thankfully, Connor kind of bailed me out because he did too. But I I really (laughs) thought that Pat Mahomes was going to be like out of the league by now. Uh, And I guess he kind of is. He's not playing. Uh, But he has an MVP under his belt. (laughs) I really thought he was a system quarterback. I didn't think his arm was that strong. I was wrong, and that's probably going to haunt me. There's a lot of people in the Joplin area that like to bring it up uh, often, but now I'm a fucking Chiefs fan, and I have to watch him ball out every week. Yeah, and mine is
2: pretty similar here, but it's because he is not balling out. Uh, It is Josh Rosen who got drafted into one of the scariest situations, got traded into one of the scariest situations, and has just not been good. And ironically, no quarterback from that class has been very good except Lamar Jackson. But Josh Rosen was my QB one, and I don't feel so good about that one, (laughs) fellas. It's going to haunt me for a little bit.
0: No, and mine, the famous one. I not only did I have Trent Richardson very high, I actually had him number three overall in the 2010 draft, but but I said he was the best running back prospect I had ever evaluated, which at the time was true. Um, but that's bad. Uh, you can't say that when I'm old enough to have seen Ladainian Tomlinson in college. So <laughs> it's not a great look. Uh, the Trent Richardson one is bad. There are others. I mean, there are a lot of others. That one is definitely the one that's Excuse me, I'm spitting. That is the one that stands out most, though. Where I'm like, if I could go back in time and change any of my draft grades, it would be that one. Just so people couldn't like send that tweet once a year. It's, it's like an hey, anniversary more than once a year, but you know what? Like I actually missed really bad on Ruben Foster as well. I loved Ruben Foster. I thought he was going to be amazing and he just has not turned out to be, you know, I had, I had Joey Bosa too low. I had him five over a six overall, but the way he's played, there are others. Like it's just, it's those guys when it's like you have them really high and they end up completely out of the league real fast. That's where you're like, Oh shit. But there have been others where like I Jameis Winston, number one in 2015, I know he's still a starter in the NFL, but I can tell you, that's not a great. I feel great about.
1: No, I wouldn't either. Uh, the game that has haunted me, Matt, you already talked about it. It is the 2008 Texas at Texas Tech game. We've talked about it on here before, and I don't want to start crying because I'm already snotty. This game almost literally broke my heart. I almost had a heart attack. I was supposed to go out that night for a Halloween party. It was November 1st. It was a Saturday Texas was number one in the nation on their way to play in a national championship. And that fucking Michael Crabtree catch killed me, ruined my whole mood. Uh, I almost got broken up with because I was just being a pissed poor attitude that whole night. <laughs> Real Debbie Downer. And I still think about it. Like all the time, I think about that play and that catch. Well,
0: and like Texas had really come
1: back in that game. I think like that was the, like they and scored they just,
0: 27 points in the second half.
1: They had Michael Huff. Earl Aaron Ross and Earl Thomas in that secondary, and not one of them could push him out of bounds and just end the game. We probably win another national championship if they just get Michael Crabtree down.
0: Graham Harrell, man, number Fuck five at Texas Tech <laughs> is not good for you. Mahomes wore
1: five at Texas Tech. <laughs> That's why I hate Crabtree 5 Attack. <laughs>
0: Look at their roster right now. Whoever's wearing five. Sorry, Connor, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I feel for you. And
2: my moment like that, that I still think of to this day, is Carlos Beltran striking out in the NLCS when the Mets had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning, and <laughs> he stared at a curveball from yeah, Adam nope. Wainwright to strike out and not go to the World Series. Like, you think of all the strikeouts in baseball, and you're like, man, you know, it happens a lot. You, you strike out to lose a game. You no, know, like, he sh- watched strike three to not go to the World Series, and I was devastated. And I know the Mets have made a World Series since then. They haven't won one, but they made one. Nope but that year in 06 that Mets team was so much better than the 2015 team they were loaded they spent all this money they had a great team they were playing great they got the bases loaded where the comeback was on and i, I hope the mets hire carlos beltran as their manager so we get this redemption story oh that'd be great but that until then will forever bother me as a sports
1: fan and the fact that he looked at it he didn't even that's try that's the to thing move if you back.
2: swing it's like well shit he tried Mm-hmm. but you stared at it, and he, he was such a good Met. People forget that. He was a great player for the Mets, but that's what he's remembered for. No Lucas
0: Duda throw that didn't make the cut?
2: Uh, no, I mean, no. I was there for that, so I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I try not to think of that very often.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think about that
2: like every day. I was All also right. an
0: adult. When you're a kid, you're like extra haunted by things. Too. So I disagree. I take things so much harder now. Like, although, Really? I'm just you know, like... like Man, whatever. some of those Niners Cowboys or Niners Packers games as a kid, like I would throw shit in our house, like I would be breaking things. So well, I guess I don't do that as much anymore. So there's that. All right. My game that haunts me and I saw our buddy, uh, Emmanuel Acho, he tweeted this today. There was the Yahoo Sports thing, like tell me a sports scary story in six words. Mm-hmm. And his was Colts down, Colts down. And that's it for me. When Marcel Darius broke Colt McCoy's shoulder in the 2010 BCS championship game, Uh, So many people were talking shit about, oh, Alabama's amazing. You guys can't beat Alabama. And I'm like, yeah, like we can beat Alabama. We're the number one team in the country. And then Colt gets just smashed in the first drive of the first quarter. He goes out and uh, you can talk to any Texas fan, anyone who covered Texas, any Texas player. So a lot of very biased people. They will all tell you, though, like Texas was going to win this game. And they almost did anyway. It was very close,
1: regardless. Who was the quarterback? I blocked him out. Garrett Graham. I don't remember. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Someone. Garrett Gilbert. That's who it was. Not a great moment of my life for sure. That Uh, game still haunts me because it was so close. And this other one that haunts me. I'm next up. I'm going to go with the Willis McGahee injury. Watching that play live and seeing it in the national championship game, uh, I really liked Willis McGahee coming on strong. Uh, that season rooting for him, and then watching his knee just get detached from his body, uh, it made me want to vomit, for one. And then just losing a good player at the biggest game of his life so far, uh, that was terrible. And then I I can't watch it again. I saw it once, almost threw up. Even if I start to see Willis McGahee on the right side of the field of any highlight, I'm like, I better go look away. Uh, I don't know what's about to happen here.
2: Mine actually was the opposite of that, like, instant, awful, gross injury. Mine was just the slow decay of David Wright. And not to make this, like, super Mets-heavy, but he had spinal stenosis. And it was, like, all the things he had to do to come back, and then he'd be hurt, like, three games later. Mm -hmm. And this just went on for years and years. It's like you watch one of, like, your favorite baseball players just slowly not even be able to physically play baseball anymore. That's the injury that I hated the most.
0: Yeah. And then like when it comes to these things like hauntings, it's always going to be your favorite teams, your favorite players and things. Mine was, I'll never forget this because um, I was helping my dad do something. And so it was the, uh, the festival Ohio state, Notre Dame. And I like, didn't want to know what was happening. I had a DVR and I was going to help my dad. And then I was going to go watch it. And I think it was actually mellow text me. And he was like, Oh my God. I'm like, what? He's like, Jalen Smith. I was like, what do you like? What do you mean? And I'm like freaking out. And when I saw it, like, I thought I was going to throw up. Like, I really did. I loved Jalen. Um, had a great relationship with him. when He was at Notre Dame. I thought he was, he was perfect as a linebacker prospect. Absolutely perfect. And so to have that happen in his last college game, you're just so disappointed for the player. And then there was, you know, the idea that he might never walk again. He might never play again. So there, it's it's nice that now he's playing at, I believe, an all-pro linebacker level. But in the moment, I've never been more affected by a player's injury. I remember, like you said, the Wills McGehee injury where it's like, I might throw up. That was really hard to watch. And there have been others. Um, who's the Cincinnati? Kenyon Martin. Kenyon his Martin his injury his was absolutely disgusting. But the Jalen Smith one was, and, and I didn't see it live, but it's the one where, I mean, I thought about that shit for days. It was like, I mean, it was like I won't say the other time in my life I've been a little depressed, but you know what I'm talking about. Connor knows what I'm talking about, but like I just I couldn't
1: let go of it for days that he got hurt. Yeah, I, I that was a tough one. I didn't See feel how as, I saved as myself heavily there? as you did, but uh, this one is still haunting me, and hopefully it gets cured soon. Uh, because when they announced that they were no longer going to make the NCAA football games. I was actually depressed. Uh, that really hit me hard. Uh, if anybody of you follow me on Twitter, you know, because anytime there's news, I tweet about it. I desperately need this game back. We already kind of talked about it. Um, I'm still playing a video game on a system they don't even make anymore. A PlayStation <laughs> 3. I still have to have it because I still want to fire up NCAA football 14 sometimes in uh, and I'm going to keep was still doing in college until we get a new, I was still married. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I was still married. That's probably what caused my divorce it was I never got over the depression of losing that football game and couldn't focus on anything else.
2: Uh, my random one here is uh, the pass interference challenge. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it ruins every weekend. Now nobody tries it anymore because it's such a hoax that yeah. it, I think it's just disappearing. Thank God. Mm-hmm. But it was so infuriating these first couple of weeks when you're like, oh, yeah, that's P.I. Good challenge. And they're like, yeah, the call in the field stands. And then you're like, oh, like, you know, that wasn't P.I. That's a good challenge. And they're like, oh, the call in the field stands. Mm-hmm. It was the most
0: aggravating
2: beginning to a football season since the replacement refs. That's how bad it was.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and my last one. Uh, and again, back to baseball. Mello and I were at this game, game seven, the World Series Giants, Royals, uh, the improbable run. The, the Royals going from n- shouldn't have been there and then winning the wild card, which we were there for that night, was um, one of the greatest nights of my life. And then to take the Giants to game seven and you're kind of, you have this feeling of like, I'm just happy to be here. The fucking Royals are in game seven. It's at Kaufman. Even if we lose, I'm going to be okay. Until Alex Gordon gets stranded on third and I was not okay. <laughs> like So I think, and it's different because they did win the next year, but I still... We're never gonna see the Royals win another World Series, especially now that Mike Matheny's our, our coach. But uh, if they could have won two in a row, like back to
1: back, I would have been good for life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they—they're never gonna make the playoffs again. I don't think they would have <laughs> won the one against the Mets had they not lost in Game Seven. Uh, another player that haunts me and I absolutely hate is Madison Bumgarner. Uh, oh, yeah. Fuck that guy if he's listening. I'm with you on that. Uh, I'll gladly get my ass kicked trying to fight him <laughs> because I hate him with a passion.
2: Yeah, he's a menace. An absolute monster is Madison Bumgarner.
0: This is a great time for you guys to tweet us at six football. Let us know who do you, who haunts you, which players, which games, which moments haunt you uh, because yeah, there, there's a lot of great ones out there and I'm sure all yours don't revolve around the Royals and Mets <laughs> <laughs> draft on draft time. We got some iTunes questions in here. So don't forget. That is a great way to get your name and question read on the air, and answered on the air. Also, you can watch this on YouTube, so check that out. Bleach Report's YouTube channel is the stick-to-football playlist. I'm laughing because Melo's waving at the camera, uh, which is, is great. There's so many things that—Connor and I were talking about this in London, and we should have done it today, but I'm still jet-lagged. I just got home. Um, is that we should start doing special things for the viewers. I don't want to go, like, all, like— You know, uh, around the horn having like signs and stuff, but like I want to start doing things that are only for the viewers. So, like when I get Madden codes, I'm gonna just start holding up a sign. Put them right here. it's it's in front of the little uh, unnamed tablet that we use here. No free marketing. All right, first question from It's a Bust. Do you think after Michigan's blowout win versus Notre Dame, it clicked that Shea Patterson is trash and they should have been pounding the rock this whole time? They should have known that shit last year because the only way they won last year was when they gave Kron Higdon the ball. So if it's taken Jim Harbaugh two years to figure this out, he's an idiot. That might also be the case. But. I think what Michigan really learned was that if they can force quarterbacks to play badly, Ian Book completed like 8 of 24 passes. If you can just, hey, we're going to make the other quarterback play badly, you can win games. That said, Ohio State's going to beat Michigan by 63 points.
1: Yeah. I I think that the weather conditions probably played into that more than anything. Uh, I'll guarantee when we see Michigan strap up again, they're still going to air the ball out. They've got two pretty good running backs, Haskins and Charbonnet. They, just, they still like to throw the ball, and they believe in Shea Patterson, and I don't think that's going to change uh, regardless of what he does.
2: Well, I think the problem was coming into the year, Michigan was discussed as having one of the best wide receiver trios in the country, and I don't think that's necessarily changed. Obviously, be like Alabama, Clemson, maybe even Oklahoma better, but this was a team built on uh, superstar recruiting at the wide receiver position, but the quarterback can't get them the ball. But you always like to believe that he'll get better, and those guys will bail him out. And it's just too much to ask. So I don't think it's as simple as the question is worded, although I did like the question. I was shocked how badly they beat Notre Dame, although I think we all said Notre Dame was due for the classic Irish letdown uh, at some point. And, (laughs) And I think when it comes down to it, would this have saved Michigan's season? No. It's just... They they learned that they can win that way, but at some point, teams are going to shut down the run as well.
0: Next question, also from iTunes. Killzone82. That's a cool name. It's a gamer tag. It, it really is. If they run the table and win the Big 12, would an undefeated
1: Baylor team have a shot at getting into the playoffs? They would have to. Yeah, They'd be an
0: automatic as the
1: winner of the Big 12. Uh, right? They, uh, they wouldn't be an automatic, but I think that they would put themselves in there because you're going to have to beat Oklahoma twice to do it. What's it, Baylor ranked right now? uh they are ranked 8 i think i don't remember 12th they're undefeated in the rank 12th? they yeah. might not then it's, they have a played lot of anybody. disrespect uh you look at their okay paul Feinbaum. they ain't played nobody they they, haven't. they, haven't. they started know, off they really the season haven't. with Stephen f austin ut san antonio and rice they barely beat texas tech they played well against oklahoma state
0: have they left the state of texas Twice, I guess. K-State they, and
1: Oklahoma yeah. State. Stillwater's almost Texas. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's not a far trip. So I I don't think that we will have to worry about this, but I will play along with the hypothetical. I think they have a chance because they would beat Oklahoma twice. They would have to kill Oklahoma one of those times. I mean, it would have to be like what Kansas State did to them or worse. Uh, but I, I don't think we'll have to worry about that.
2: Man, the real question is who's going to beat them when they play Texas? Who's going to win when they play Texas? Baylor will.
1: Yeah, I'm I think done. So too. I'm off. I'm well, off right. Texas. That was
2: they
0: absolutely suck. <laughs> you barely beat Kansas, and then you lose to TCU. Talk to me next year.
2: I'm out. I'm out. I'm uh, out. I wouldn't get your hopes up for next year either. But right? <laughs>
0: anyways, so you no, can I'm try. A, I'm over it. They. Uh, I didn't even know who they play this weekend because I don't care. I think they're on bye, oh, so lose they'll probably it. lose. Uh, K-State K-State's State next. K gonna beat the shit out of them
2: Bardale's 965 but the rumors about the Jets looking to move Le'Veon do you think this will make him want to ask for a trade in the offseason
0: so I, I think this is very simple when Le'Veon was a free agent any team in the NFL could have had him and the Jets were the only team negotiating I think that tells you a lot about his market out there this is dude making 15 million dollars a year to play running back no I don't think He can ask for a trade. I don't think anyone's going to trade for him is the problem. I mean, he tried that before. He sat out for a year. I think he actually just really likes playing for the Jets. He's been good. Let me say that. great. He's been very good. He's been their best player by far. But
1: I don't think there's a trade market for him. Not with that salary. Maybe a team like the 49ers. But they They don't don't need it. They don't want to pay a running back. I mean, they already paid Tevin Coleman, and they're getting the job done with three other guys. So I don't know that Le'Veon Bell is going to San Francisco.
2: Yeah, his cap number for 2020 is pretty large. I don't really see him on the move. And I'll be in the minority to say if you're the Jets with Sam Darnold, what are you just going to – I mean, if you're not going to extend Robbie Anderson after the year and you're going to trade Le'Veon Bell, what do you think is going to happen to Sam Darnold?
0: Oh, like yeah. he's going to play with, with street you, right?
2: free agents? You, you don't need the cap money. The team has $60 million before they make right. any cuts going into next Maybe year. Maybe keep
0: a good player. Yeah,
2: keep someone good for once. How about that? Yeah. And Le'Veon he's has tried. already come out and he's been – uh way way more uh content with everything than Jamal Adams. So yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Jamal Adams has a much higher chance of being moved than Le'Veon Bell.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Trav Alex 1973, also from iTunes. If the Falcons were to get the number two pick behind the Dolphins, would it be worth it to explore a Julio trade and draft Jerry Judy? What would that trade package look like? I love Trav that question. Alex, whatever your first name is, buddy. No. You draft Chase Young, and you feel amazing about yourself. You take your pants off, and you dance in the draft room <laughs> if you get the number two pick and draft Chase Young. This is easy. I love Jerry Judy, but you already have Calvin Ridley. There's, I mean, no. You, you write the
1: fucking name on the card, and you send it in. You draft Chase Young. I mean, if they're sitting there at pick number two, I wouldn't go receiver. I might go quarterback here uh, and try to move Why? on from Matt Ryan. I don't think it'd be receiver. I would go Chase Young because I love him uh, passionately, and I don't even mean that figuratively. I mean it literally. I love Chase Young And I would draft him Matt Ryan's well. only 34 I don't think you move on from I think he just years. hasn't Played Did that well Did you
0: know his wife's name Is Sarah Marshall <laughs> No <laughs> People forget that <laughs> I think Matt Ryan's Better than any quarterback In this class right now I agree yeah. I agree with you Connor I like Matt Ryan I think he's surrounded by Inept coaching And a really bad I defense I
1: that he might have Been built by Kyle Shanahan though Like what has he done Without Kyle Shanahan uh, He's not had some not. big years I think Statistically he has Right I would throw to that. an amazing receiver. Though.
0: Like, if I end up with number two behind the Dolphins, I call them and say, listen, we're not going to draft a quarterback. Right. We'll give you a third round pick. You do what the or 49ers did. Whatever
1: player you want. <laughs> oh, you want to move up a pick? Yeah, yeah. Give us a third. Okay. We're kind of thinking about it. We've been fielding or some calls. You're worried
0: that they'll trade out. Like, seriously, if you end up with a number two pick or the number three pick, I would see, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not going to take a quarterback. We want Chase Young. Let us secure that deal. Because you you can't let that guy pass. Vic Beasley had that one magical year and it sucked. Tack McKinley hasn't been great. Chase Young could completely change this franchise.
1: I mean, look at what Nick is doing for the 49ers right now. On that oh, defense. I am. Yeah, I know you are. are or depending on the week, I don't know if you it's are or not. Right. <laughs> No, I am. All right,
0: last question. Our guy, Patty Chamberlain. Is Andrew Thomas written in ink as the best tackle in the 2020 draft class, or is there a chance someone surpasses him? How does he stack up against the top tackles the last few draft classes? Uh, I don't think it's in ink just yet. I actually like Tristan Wirfs. I like Alex Leatherwood. I like Austin Jackson. Uh, Alabama's other tackle, Ellis, is that his name? I like him a lot as well. Oh, Jedrick Wills? Oh, Wills. That's right. Yeah, my name did. A, my brain did a thing. So, uh, I I like him a lot. Now, as far as the best tackles the last couple years, I I mean, I liked Jonah Williams a lot. He was number eight on my board. Um, I did not really have any tackles in two thousand. Andrew or Thomas. He
1: still mm-hmm. just seems like a, a big mauler. I almost view yeah. him as a right tackle. I like
0: Stanley and Tunsel better than him.
1: Yeah, that's why I don't. No, I don't view him he, so as like no. something special that we haven't seen in a long time. I think next year when we start talking about Sewell at left tackle, mm. that's going to be probably different. Uh, but for Andrew Thomas, I like him uh, quite a bit. But I don't think he's anything extraordinary that we haven't seen in the last couple drafts.
0: You know who he reminds me of? And I, I meant to bring this up a couple shows ago. Uh, I like to workshop things. He reminds me of Lila Collins in college. And I know that Collins has played all over. for The Cowboys has played guard. He's played tackle. Andrew Thomas, I also don't know if he's six five. And I hope he is. Yeah. I don't think so. He has there's a lot of power in his game, and maybe it won't matter. It didn't matter with Isaiah Wynn, didn't really matter with Jonah Williams a whole lot. But so hurt. to answer the question. <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh, that's Shh. weird. To answer the question, no, I don't like him more than any of the tackle the, the top tackles we've seen in a long time. I would have Tunsil ahead of him. I'd have Stanley ahead of him. I would have Jonah Williams ahead of him. So if you're ranking him against guys like that, then then absolutely not. He would probably be on like a Mike McGlinchey level for me. That's
2: what I was gonna say. I was gonna say he's very comparable to Mike McGlinchey. If you're looking, and that's a good player. Yeah, it the, is. the league needs offensive also linemen hurt. so badly <laughs> right now that. You're right, Matt. Where he's not Laramie Tunzel. I thought Tunzel was pretty special. Ronnie Stanley was very, very good. I, I wouldn't write it in ink, but I feel good about what you're getting in Andrew Thomas.
0: Yeah, I, the only thing that's in ink for me right now is that Chase Young is the number one overall player in the draft, yep. and that Jerry Judy is the number two overall player in the draft. Everything else is yeah. it's somewhat fluid. I'm not moving off that. Like I'm good. I don't think. What I'm about a at corner? Okay, the three things. Four things. (laughs) Derek Brown at D tackle. Okay, I feel
1: really good about those four positions. Everything else is pretty fluid. Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker? Yeah, maybe. What about Trey Smith at guard?
2: I just want to keep doing this. What about DeAndre Swift at running back?
0: Nah, I like Jonathan Taylor. All right, fair enough. So. I like them both. I have them right side by side. <laughs> I, I really. We should do a show. Maybe it's next Friday show. And ink. <laughs> a, yeah, written in ink, or we should just run through our big boards. I know we haven't done that in a while, and yeah. so that would give us a week to prepare. But before we go to LSU, Alabama, maybe we just do a big board show. I'm good with that if that's what our listeners want. Yeah, let us know if you'd be interested in a big board show where we talk about where we're different on guys and give some short scouting thoughts. Uh, let us know because I saw your tight end listed, and we're very different on it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't look at it too much because I have done a lot of tight end work. Um, but I did change up my big board so you don't have the same one as me anymore.
0: Yeah, I've changed mine. They're probably still the same. So, all right. Get your big boards ready for next Friday. Listeners, let us know. And uh, also, definitely hit us up if you want to come to the tailgate. Alabama LSU, 8 a.m. on the quad. Food, drinks, cornhole, koozies, stickers, good times. I tweeted this and I, I really thought that was clever. It'll be a day... That you either can't remember or won't forget. I 100% guarantee that. And that's where we'll leave you for Connor and Mella. We'll be back Monday. Connor and I will be normal schedule next week, Monday afternoon. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube.